righteousness. I really do uh, the righteousness of God because Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood that we might be made the righteousness of God. And so uh, let's begin with a word of prayer and then we'll get into this tonight. Father God, we thank you for your precious Holy Spirit. And we ask that the Holy Spirit would guide and lead us during this Bible study. Renew our minds by way of your word. Cause us to see Jesus Christ in every scripture. Be glorified, Father God, in all of it. And we'll give you all the glory and the praise for every manifestation of your spirit tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to begin where I ended last week, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, understanding God's righteousness. And we, the Bible says here in verse 34, Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God, and I speak this to your shame. So the scripture, Paul writes, he says, we need to awake to righteousness and not to sin. And really, when that, when that scripture really uh, says to me, and I shared it last week, is that when we awake to righteousness, we really begin to understand that has new creatures in Christ Jesus, that sin is beneath us. We have been made the royalty of God. Amen. We are the royal priesthood of God. We are the children of the king. God is our father. And sin should be distasteful to us. And it should be something that we look at with disdain. Because we have been raised up, hallelujah, and made to sit together in heavenly places. So when the temptation to sin comes, we must always remember who we have been made to be. The righteousness of God. And that gives us a whole different understanding about our relationship to sin and the bondage of it. We have been set free Forever. Hallelujah. And so this righteousness that we receive through faith, and by, by, way, by the way, all of the righteousness that we receive is by faith. We got to believe these things. I mean, when we read the scriptures and meditate on the word of God concerning God's righteousness, we got to start believing these things, that these things are ours right now in terms of our access to the holy God. So that's where I want to start tonight, uh, awake to righteousness. The child of God needs to awake to who we are in Christ and that we have been made righteous by God Almighty. Can I get an amen? amen. Let's go to Genesis uh, chapter 3. I want to, God kind of led me over here in the study. Genesis chapter 3, kind of look at this from a different perspective uh, initially tonight chapter 3 verse 17 
And the Bible says, and unto Adam he said, God said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of your wife and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of your life. So we see here after Adam had sinned in the garden, him and his wife had sinned in the garden, God spoke out of his own mouth. He says, cursed is the ground because of you. Because of sin, the ground is cursed. How many of y'all know when God says something is unfit, it is unfit. He cannot and will not use it except he sanctified. And the reason that that's true is because God is holy. Our God is holy. And we need to get a real revelation of the holiness of God so that we can begin to understand what, what he, why he had to make us righteous in order for us to have fellowship with him. He had to do something for us that we could never do for ourselves. And so the righteousness of God is something that we need to always remember that it is a uh, gift and a blessing. Now, let's look at uh, chapter 4 of Genesis. After God had told Adam that, that the ground was cursed for his sake. It says here in verse 1, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. So Cain, the Bible says, brought the fruit of the ground, has an offering to God. Now, think about what Cain is doing. Cain is bringing to God what he thinks is a proper offering in his mind. The earth, of course, has been cursed. The ground has been cursed. But yet, the earth is still in its cursed state, very beautiful still. I mean, you look at the earth now, and there's some parts of the earth, man, that are just magnificent to look at. And uh, so what Cain brought to God, I'm sure, was the best strawberries, the best apples, the best oranges, the best grapes, 
the best that the ground could produce. He, he brought to God. But it was still cursed and unfit for a holy God because the ground was still cursed. Because God, God spoke that. And anything that comes from the cursed ground is not and will never be good enough to please God. Does that make sense? Anything that comes from anything that God has not sanctified will never be good enough to please God. Man always wants to bring to God our best. But our best outside of Christ will never be good enough. Let that sink in. I've been using that uh, preaching and things like that as an illustration. You can preach a thousand sermons. You can give a million dollars. You can come to church every time the doors open. But that does not make you righteous. The only thing that makes us acceptable to God is the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay? We need to keep that in the forefront of our thinking because when we understand that, it causes us to have power with God. Now let's look at uh, Genesis chapter 4 and let's look at verse 4 and what, let's look at what, what Abel did. And Abel, he also brought the first sin of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Abel, the reason God accepted his offering, is because he brought to God a blood sacrifice. The only thing that God will accept is something sanctified by the shedding of blood. Uh, I'm thinking about Moses. when uh, God, uh, Moses had that encounter with God, that first encounter with God. God told him, take the shoes off your foot, feet, for the place that you stand in is holy ground. It's been sanctified. It's, it's, I'll accept you on sanctified ground. Only on sanctified ground. See? It's important that we recognize that only what God calls acceptable is what we should call acceptable. Okay? We need to get in line in our, our thinking, in line with the way God thinks in order for us to really experience God the way he wants us to experience him. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 9. So my righteousness, my self-righteousness, will never be good enough for God. I don't care how, how many good things I do in themselves, they're never good enough. All my righteousness is, is has filthy rags, the Bible says, in the sight of a holy God. Hebrews 9 and 22. 
For almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Now, I, I wrote this down. This divine revelation will produce real power in our lives when we submit ourselves to God's standard. I'm going to read that again. This divine revelation that we're only made holy by the blood of, by the blood of Jesus will produce real power in our lives when we submit ourselves to God's standard. Not our standard, but God's standard. Can I get an amen? Let's go to Galatians now. Because what we're going to read some things that Paul talked about concerning righteousness and some things that he understood. I think Paul understood more about righteousness than any New Testament believer, New Covenant believer, because he wrote three-fourths of the New Testament. And the revelation that God gave him is the foundation of uh, the new creatures in Christ Jesus in terms of our, of our relationship to God through, through faith in Christ. Chapter 1, verse 1. I'm going to do a lot of reading. So, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia, grace be to you and peace from God the Father. And from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Then Paul says something very interesting here in verse 6. He says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that call you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Paul is referring to the preaching that he had done previously to them in terms of grace and righteousness by faith. Somewhere along the line, the people here at this church, Galatia, had lost sight of what grace was and what righteousness was. He says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him, or Christ, who had called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. A gospel of, and we talked about this last week, a gospel of works. A gospel of trying to earn something from God in terms of your obedience. How many of y'all know everything we receive from God is by grace, through faith, everything. And that's what Paul says, 
I'm, 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 I'm amazed that you have moved away from that revelation unto another gospel, another understanding, a false understanding of what makes you right with God. Verse 7. Which is not another, uh, which is not another or another gospel, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ or would change it. But he says something interesting in verse 8. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. That's heavy. He's, he's saying if anybody tries to preach to you any other gospel other than the gospel of grace and try to pervert you to start believing a gospel of works or us having right standing with God because of what we have done, good, he says that person is accursed in his eyes. He says, let him be accursed. He speaks a curse upon them. Verse 9. As we said before, so I say now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. So he says that in two verses. For I do not, for I do, I for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by revelation of Jesus Christ. So Paul says that it's imperative that the believer always remember that the root of our salvation is found only in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Nothing that we can do to improve our relationship with God except our faith in Christ. God will never love you any more than he loves you now. No matter what you do. Now, it's good to do good works. Praise the Lord. God loves us to do good works. But those works will never, ever save us. They'll never, ever make us right with God. Only the blood of Jesus makes us right with God. So Paul is really adamant about this. He says, if anybody tries to persuade you any other way, let them come under the curse. So it's important that the child of God always remember that righteousness in the sight of God is only through Jesus Christ and faith in his blood. Amen. Let's look at chapter 2. Now, I'm preaching to the choir, I know, but, but here's the thing. 
we need to get revelation on this on a regular basis. Because I think a lot of times we think that uh, we try to receive from God and get our prayers answered in the wrong way. We're trying to earn certain things. And all God is asking us to do is to, is to believe. That's what he's asking us to do, is to believe the word. Now, Paul says here uh, in chapter 2, verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. What is he saying now when he says I'm crucified with Christ? A lot of people can take that a lot of different ways. But what I'm seeing is this. I'm dead to self. I'm crucified with Christ. I'm dead to self. Saul of Tarsus is dead. That's what he's saying. The life I now live in the flesh. Well, let me read that whole verse. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh... I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He's saying that the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. In other words, I constantly view my life as one made righteous through the gift of faith, which is Jesus' own faith. Somebody needs to follow me tonight. That's what he's saying. I constantly view my life as one made righteous through the gift of faith. How many of y'all know that the faith that you and I got is the gift of faith? We got that faith from God. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 says that. The faith that we have is not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. So even the faith that we have, if we receive it by grace. And it's Jesus' faith that we live by. And Paul understood that. He understood that everything that I'll receive as a believer in terms of my relationship to God, in terms of my throne room privileges, all of that is because Jesus shed his blood and went before me and allows me now to experience the covenant blessings of Abraham Because the inheritance is his. And I've been made a joint heir through him. And I remain in that position, not because I deserve it, but because of what he has done and by the love of God that was shed abroad through Jesus Christ. So my eyes must always be upon Christ and not upon me. That's why Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the very life that I'm living by, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I'm not even using my own faith. I'm using God's faith. I'm I'm dependent upon Jesus Christ for everything. His righteousness is what I depend on. What he did on the cross... His obedience causes me to experience God in ways that I could never experience Him otherwise. 
And I have to keep, again, I have to consistently think that way. I think the, the enemy robs us when we begin to think that we have to earn these things from God. We receive all of these things through faith in Christ. All, the, all of these things that have been freely given to us are, is because of Jesus and Jesus alone. Now, let's look at verse 21. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. So I, I don't frustrate the grace of God. I don't, I don't nullify the grace of God. I don't limit God by me trying to earn these things. Righteousness, I receive righteousness because of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. If righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Then he says something here in chapter 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who had bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ had been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only what I learn of you, receive you the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect in the flesh? Now, let's go back to uh, verse 1 again. He basically calls them foolish and he says that they've been bewitched. Uh, there's a Spirit that has led them astray. And that spirit is alive and well in the world, in the world today. It, it causes us to uh, look at ourselves more than we look at Christ. In verse 3, let's go back to verse 3. Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, you are now made perfect by the flesh? This is the spirit that deceived Cain. This is an independent spirit that fails to recognize God as its only source of righteousness. That's what it is. Anytime, anytime I'm trying to earn things from God, it's an independent spirit that's trying to earn things from God and has forgotten that God is my only source of righteousness and it's rooted in pride. It's rooted in pride. That's what, that's what Cain did. Cain brought to God that offering, and he forgot that the, that the ground was cursed. Apparently, uh, Adam may have not taught him that the ground was, uh, was cursed. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But nevertheless, he brought to God something that was unfit and thought that God should accept it. And he failed, again, to recognize the holiness of God. And sometimes I think that's what happens to us when we, get, when we allow that spirit to deceive us. We fail to recognize and remember how holy our God is. And the only reason that we're acceptable to him is because of Jesus Christ. 
the one who sits at the right hand of God. He represents us there. And without him, we have, we have no access to God. But since we do, and when we understand God's righteousness, unlimited power and unlimited grace is received through Jesus. There's nothing that God won't do through us through covenant relationship because of Christ Jesus. Because he has made us righteous. Think about it. The righteousness that we experience through this covenant relationship has been given to us by God himself. He has placed it upon us. It's not some some, uh, second-hand righteousness. It's God's own righteousness that he places upon us. Now, to the natural mind, a lot of times we can't really compute that. But what that saying is, if we'll believe it, is that we have been made just as righteous as Jesus Christ is in the sight of God. Apart from our conduct, apart from uh, the flesh, apart from the natural man. Somebody say, well, we'll get to heaven. No, that's our portion right now, if we'll believe it. We have to understand the power of the blood of Jesus and the effectiveness that it has where the powers of darkness are concerned. We have been set free forever. Verse 4. Have you suffered so many things in vain? If it, had, if it be yet in vain... He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So it's not, never by the works of the law do we earn anything from the Spirit, from the Holy Ghost. It's by the hearing of faith. That's how the power of God is made manifest in our lives. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The power of God is released in our lives or through our lives as we believe. As we believe that we have been made vessels fit for use by a a holy God. Because he has made us holy. I wish I could get an amen. I say he has made us holy. See, when we don't don't, uh, understand that we're holy... We fail to understand the power that was released when Jesus was raised from the dead. That was the greatest manifestation of the power of God that had ever been done before when Jesus was raised from the dead. And that very act right there made you and I holy in the sight of Almighty God. I think we need to meditate on those type of things. Verse 6. Even as Abraham believed God, again, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, let's think about that for a minute. Abraham was a worshiper of the sun or the moon. He was a heathen, had no relationship with God at all. 
God approached him and said, I'll make a deal with you. If you'll believe my word, I'll make you the father of many nations. And while I will impute righteousness unto you, I'll cause you to be righteous in my sight. And that righteousness was powerful. It was powerful enough that the, new, that the, that the first covenant was established by the blood of bulls and goats. And God accepted Abraham and his seed through that sacrifice. But again, that was imputed righteousness. He accounted him as a righteous man. He accounted the Old Testament saints as righteous. But through the new covenant, which is established on the blood of Jesus, we have a, a, a different kind of righteousness than Abraham had. Because the, the promises of the old covenant were established again on the blood of bulls and goats. But the promises of the new covenant are established on, by the blood of God himself, which causes us to receive what the Bible calls eternal life. And through that eternal life, because we are new creatures, we have access to a righteousness that Abraham did not have access to. We have righteousness in our spirit. Abraham could, could talk to God but he could not have the intimacy that you and I can have with God because we are filled with the Holy Ghost. And in order for God to fill us with the Holy Ghost, he had to make us in his sight pure, clean, acceptable, and righteous, truly righteous with his own righteousness. Israel, though they had an awesome relationship with God, they were merely his servants. But you and I, through Jesus, through Christ, are sons and daughters of the living God. The highest degree of relationship. The angels don't even have this kind of relationship with God. This is what Jesus has done for us. That's why we worship him. That's why we live, we live bow down lives under him. That's why we're eternally grateful to him. It's all about him. And it's only through him, hallelujah. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through him. Got to always remember that it's him and him alone that pleases the Father. Glory to God. Even as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. In other words, we use the same kind of faith Abraham used in terms of his relationship with God or his right standing with God. 
And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen, how? Through faith. Preach before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which are be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Glory to God. So that lets me know that all the blessings that Abraham walked in, I should be experiencing them also in an amplified manner. Because God has made me able to do that through his righteousness. I can come into the very throne room of God anytime I choose. Has I released my faith along these lines? Has I recognized that Jesus has went before me? And made the way for me so that I can experience God on this level. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. I don't know about you, but I fall short in myself. I fail, God, many, many times. And the Bible says, Cursed is everyone that that continues not, not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So anybody who tries to approach God on the basis of law keeping, the Bible says you're cursed. You're living under the curse. You're living under the law. So we ought not want to do that. We ought, want to re- we ought to want to release our faith on this level that God has prescribed. Verse 11. But that no man, somebody say no man. No man is justified by the law in the sight of God. I like how, uh, how Paul writes that, in the sight of God. It's all about how God views us. It's all about how God views us. Not how we view ourselves, but how God views us. No man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident <laughs> that the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith. But the man that doeth them shall live in them. <laughs> so nobody can keep the law. Only person kept the law perfectly was Jesus. He's the only one. He was the only one that was made acceptable to God through his works. Amen. Verse 12 again. And the law is not is not a faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Verse 13, I always say this is my favorite scripture. This is it, right? My favorite scripture in the Bible. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. 
His sacrifice on Calvary, hallelujah. He bore the curse. He bore the full curse for us. He redeemed us from that curse. When I choose to live by grace through faith, I begin to receive freedom from all of that curse. I've been redeemed from it. So I don't have to earn healing from God. I don't have to pray 15 hours to get healed. I just release my faith in what he has done for me. And I receive it by faith. I don't have to uh, uh, have super faith to believe God for prosperity. Because prosperity is mine through my belief system. I believe that Jesus redeemed me from poverty and lack and all that such. That he has made me rich because he became poor for my sake. See, I I begin to believe these things. I, I did a teaching a while back called radical faith, extreme faith. This is extreme. This is where God wants us to live. He wants us to live on top because of what he has done. Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree, verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, how? Through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit, again, through my belief system or through faith. So it's all about faith. It's all about believing what God has said. I want to close here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I sense that God is about through with this series. And we're going to go to something else. I can sense it when we get to the end of something. Very familiar scripture here. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Somebody believe that tonight? Everything has become new for us because of Jesus. Verse 21, and I'll close with this. For he had made him... To be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made by God the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. (laughs) I mean, the conclusion of this is that it's all about him. It's all about the lamb. Hallelujah. Let's give him praise tonight. Let's stand to your feet. Let's worship him tonight. Let's bless him tonight. Lord, we bless you tonight. Jesus, it's all about you, Lord. Our eyes are upon you, Jesus. You have made us holy. You have made us righteous. It is you, your righteousness, that we walk in. We look to you. We bless you tonight. We thank you tonight. When we stand before you, Hallelujah. It will be because of what you have done for us and what you have done for us only. And we love you, Jesus. We love you. In Jesus' name.
Amen and amen. Give him praise tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You dismissed.